Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everybody? Welcome to Under Review on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Vish Kumar. And Vish, second week in a row, Under Review After Dark. Yeah, I know. This is kind of a weird time for us to get together. Sometimes I feel like, dang, I miss miss our old time. I will say good news. I'll, I'll drop a little surprise to you and all the few faithful listeners that we have. There's a chance that I might go back to four days a week at work, which means that at the yeah. start of the new year, I'm going to take Fridays off and still go to work on Monday. So this show will continue in the evening. No, I'm joking. I would I would then <laughs> stay at home on Monday, go to work the other four days uh-huh. and allow the show to resume at its beautiful afternoon timing where I tell the office I'm going for lunch and uh, Rob takes a little break from his busy day and we do this show. That's right. That would be awesome. I would greatly appreciate that because I have all these thoughts to go through my head because the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is rewatch the game. I try not mm-hmm. to rewatch it Sunday. I want to rewatch it the next day when I'm a little more removed from everything. The emotions have simmered down a little bit and you kind of watch from a more objective point of view. But then I don't get to talk to you for like eight more hours. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, just speaking to watching the game on a Monday, what a difference that makes. One, when they win, by the way, you oh, get yeah. to kick back with whatever your choice of beverage is while you're watching the game, and you get to see things and admire things that you weren't seeing or admiring in the heat of what went on yesterday. But then, two, I feel like you have just a better objective eye for, hey, some things were actually a lot better than you originally realized, or the commentator hyped it up, or the replay didn't show it enough times for you to realize, hey, that was a really cool play that just went under the radar. And then sometimes there's some really big plays that you've seen so many times and you still can't get enough of watching them over and over and over and over again. Like every Brandon I you catch basically from yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, if you're new to the show, this is where he's we're having a decent season. Isn't he Rob? Yeah. You know, Pretty good I, one. Yeah. He managed to get a touchdown. I know that, uh, you know, some people it's very important in their heads, but uh, he is, I mean, yesterday was absurd. Five catches for, what was it, 156 156 yards yards and a touchdown. Rob, he's catching nearly 70% of his targets and nearly 90% of his targets have gone for first downs. He's (laughs) caught 38 first downs and he's, or he has 38 first downs this year and he's caught 43 balls. That's unreal efficiency. Like it's Purdy's efficiency statistically for quarterbacks and then Ayuk's for wide receivers, except with quarterbacks, We put all these nuanced little numbers to be like, hey, this guy has done this. 
when when oh come on tim kawakami come on what you, you can pull up his tweet when i tweeted the same thing this morning well, doesn't he have enough it. followers what if, what if a few <laughs> people did did follow me rob I, I can't catch up to you i can't get one more follower I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. No, no, I'm completely messing with you. I'm completely messing with you. The point of the tweet completely stands. I'm completely joking there. But um, he's just, with the quarterback, right, we have all these different metrics to cut through if they don't. Oh, look at that. You're too kind, Rob. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, You have all these different metrics to cut through when, hey, the quarterback is doesn't have these yardage thresholds or doesn't have these touchdown thresholds, but he's playing so efficiency based on rating and all of that. Brandon Ayuk, as I've posted on this tweet, which is up on the screen at Vishkumaran for all our faithful listeners who haven't followed me on Twitter. I'm just trying to get one follower closer to Mr. 30K Rob Guerrero over there. But he has been targeted only 61 times this year, which is 43rd in the NFL. He's tied with Cole Komet, the Chicago Bears tight end. The Chicago Bears tight end and Brandon Ayuk have the same amount of targets this year. And like I said, 38 of his 43 receptions have gone for first downs. And of guys of 25 receptions or more, shout out to Jordan Elliott, splash underscore cousin with the tweet. I tweeted he's at second in the NFL averaging 19.3 yards per catch, which is true. But the guy that's first averaging 20 yards per catch, Noah Brown does not have 25 catches. So of guys with 25 catches, Brandon Ayuk leads the NFL by three yards in terms of yards per catch. 19.3 yards per catch. And Rob, this isn't a guy that's catching go balls all day. This isn't Deshaun Jackson from his Philly days where they're throwing three posts a game to him. This is a guy that's intermediate, but he's creating so much of a separation. And then this is where, hey, the quarterback comes into play. Him and the quarterback just have such chemistry. And yesterday, Brock Purdy was so accurate throwing the football to Brandon Ayuk that every 10-yard, 12-yard intermediate completion turns into a 20-yard gain because he just turns up field and gets eight yards after the catch. It's a beautiful thing. These two guys are playing unbelievable this year. And yeah. Um, Purdy told the broadcast crew last week that he and Ayuk are starting to get that like mind meld, that sort of like, chemistry the the kind of chemistry where you just kind of look at the other guy and you know and you just have a feel for where he's going to be and where he wants the ball in a particular spot that is a beautiful thing and i I really do think it is a case now where well you know what i'll i'll save that point because we're going to get into it okay let's do it real quick before we go start into the drives uh shaki chan on twitch says is there any way we could put iuk's efficiency at or above cd lamb's efficiency yeah, so with Ayuk, you're going to come back to, well, he's catching a high percentage of his targets, and uh, a lot high percentage of his targets have gone to first down. The thing with CeeDee Lamb is CeeDee Lamb has been mighty efficient this year, too. I'm pretty sure CeeDee Lamb has has been targeted, other than Brandon Ayuk, of guys that are top 10 in receiving yards. I think CeeDee Lamb has the second least targets. Um, and he obviously has more catches than Brandon Ayuk, and he's catching a high percentage of his targets as well. Uh, I, I, it's, it's again, two different kinds of players. The one thing that I, I really appreciate about Brandon Ayuk, and I, I have this appreciation for wide receivers. People really don't care about this anymore is he does all his work on the outside. He lines up at X pretty much 90% of the time. And that's a big deal to me. CD lamb gets moved around. CD lamb gets put in the slot. CD lamb gets a lot of opportunities. Now they just because he's playing X doesn't mean they have Brandon Ayuk not run routes into favorable situations. They do do that for him a lot. It's a great scheme and all of that. He's also a beneficiary. But the fact that he does it lining up on the outside to me, Rob, is a big deal. I, I don't think that that gets enough credit. 
to me, still receivers, like top receivers in the game, they win outside the numbers. That's my old school as a young person mindset here when we're talking about wide receivers. And that's where, for me, I, I like Brandon Ayuk a little bit more than C.D. Lamb. Though he's lined up more on the outside this year, it's not the same. Nick says Ayuk's going to have 1,450 or close to 1,500 yards mm-hmm. this year. I mean, it sure looks like that. And you you talked well, about Well, you never know. I mean, that's true. But, but like C.D. Lamb, even C.D. Lamb. 95 targets this year, 74 catches. Brandon Ayuk has 61 targets, not mm-hmm. 61 catches, 61 targets, 43 catches. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. ridiculous what he's doing right now. You know, and it's funny that Purdy made the comment about their chemistry now because I, I feel like I've been talking about their chemistry from the beginning of the year. Like when we talk about Purdy's JT O'Sullivan puts the capital A, which even for like, even when he says, let me give this guy a little a that a is so huge on the screen. <laughs> um, that anticipation to me has always existed when he's playing with Brandon. Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk has become so polished. He's become such a savvy veteran this year that you can just rely on him to be at the right spot. And that's really what allows Purdy to play with anticipation because you know, he, he has that incredible opportunity that or incredible trust knowing that Brandon Ayuk will be right there to catch the ball where he throws it. I completely, completely agree with you, Uh, but I don't want to divert too much off the beaten path here. Let's go through some of the drives in this game, and I have to take the blame for the Niners not scoring on the opening possession. It's all my (laughs) fault, Vish, because that was my bet of the week. I was telling everybody it was plus 110 for the Niners to score on the opening possession, whether it was touchdown or field goal. I said, don't get greedy. Don't go touchdown, even though they've done it in six out of the nine games before Sunday. I said, just take the score. So even if they get a field goal, you're good. And of course, I made the bet. So of course, the Niners don't score on the opening possession. But what I thought was interesting, Kyle Shanahan said, forget the run. They stink against the pass. Why am I going to try to run it? I'm going to come out throwing the ball. And I think five of the first six plays were passes. And it's funny because while we're touching on the topic, right? When he said, forget the run, the script at the beginning of this game did not really seem to involve Brandon Ayuk. It seemed to be Debo Kittle and McCaffrey that were the primary targets very early in this game. And there is one thing as we go drive by drive through this game, there is one thing I want to touch on on this first drive. And this is something that I have not talked about. I've not talked about it with you. I've kind of refrained, I, I think, criticizing this player. One, I, I genuinely, this is my favorite player right now in the NFL. Um, but two, he's been dealing with some stuff where he had the shoulder injury, but they also said he had the knee injury. But I want to touch on it because I think there's a play on this drive that's been emblematic of his production the entire year, and that's Debo Samuel. That first and 10 on the second set of first downs that they get on the drive, right? So they start off first and 10, and then I think second and 11, he throws the deep in to George Kittle. By the way, one of Many great throws from him throughout this game. Just a lollipop over Levante David. Um, They run a one-step slant to Debo Samuel, and Purdy gets pressure. And he puts it on Debo Samuel, and Jamel Dean ends up breaking this pass up. He ends up beating Debo Samuel to the spot, and then Debo's really looking around for a flag. But here's my point with all of this, Rob. Other than looking a little slimmer around the waist, I don't see a difference from Debo Samuel last year to this year. Now, I've, again, waited on saying this because he's been injured. He's been dealing with a few things, and I don't want to touch. I don't want to harp on something that's slightly negative too much when the 49ers are 7-3 and three and having this good, to, good of a season. So I just want to touch on this on this drive, and then we can move on. 
he's still really good with the ball in his hands. But Rob, I feel like he's got he's getting sloppier and sloppier without the ball in his hands. And we're at a point where we talked about it. You've brought it up. I, I I've kind of been like, oh, I don't know. It's okay. I still feel like they need Debo Samuel. But I, that one step slant, Rob, he 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 gets he gets inside of Jamel Dean, and there's like no effort to beat Jamel Dean to the ball. Like that's not a bad throw. It looks like a bad throw because of Debo's effort to catch the football. He kind of gives up and then he looks around for a flag. They need better from Debo Samuel. He's a much better player. He's a much better player than doing that. They have higher expectations. And again, other than the waist being, you know, probably four inches slimmer, I don't, and I mean that with all due respect, I don't see a difference in Debo Samuel last year to this year. He seems to move the exact same to me. It's not 2021. One of the things we love about Debo or about Ayuk is the consistency. With he's just he's always right. On. He's become a professional. Getting. With Debo, there's so much volatility there. Even on the play, and I know we're gonna get to it later, but the play where Kyle, I don't know if the Bucks just fell asleep or if Kyle dialed it up, but his big 40 yard completion where there is literally nobody else on the screen. One thing I noticed, he catches the ball. There's one guy there out in front of him, and he's tiptoeing. And it's like, dude, he beats him, but then he goes out of bounds, which is unheard run. of for Debo. Just plow him over. So maybe he is dealing with some stuff. I don't know. But I was surprised to see that because usually, like, Debo just trucks that guy. And it's he just, full speed, you're not tackling me. I will run through you and take your soul. And he didn't do it. And I'll, I'll add two more things to this. One, I feel like the, the down and distance, the yardage of when they get the ball to him, I do feel like teams are much more cute on that, right? So if the Niners get in third and long, teams are jumping. They know it's a screen to Debo and all of that. But two, Rob, and this is why he got paid. This is why he was such a special player. He would take plays that weren't blocked all so great, that didn't look like there was an opportunity to break them and break them into big plays. These days, the last two years, have we seen a big play from Debo Samuel that isn't, oh, he gets the ball in space and there's an opportunity for a big play? Like, when's the last time he's really broken one? I guess the Rams touchdown early in the season, that was special, Debo. That was a nine-yard touchdown. They're missing explosive (laughs) plays from him. Yeah, I I do think so. And you I got to keep an eye on it more now going forward that you brought it up, but I totally agree with you. So Niners punt. Brock Purdy also gets sacked on the drive. Brock Purdy got sacked a lot on Sunday. Um, yeah, but the offensive line did not play great, which is no, even more great of how he played. Exactly, for him to yeah. have the game that he did. So Niners punt. Tampa Bay gets the ball. And this to me was just, I thought the defense had such a great day. And mm-hmm. the Bucks could do nothing, basically. The only thing they could really do was give it to Rashad White and basically only on passes. The Bucks did nothing. They immediately go three and out. Niners get the ball back. And here we go. This drive, I thought, was so much fun because the Niners offense has been rolling. No, no. Shout out for Diamador Lenore with that first down pass breakup on Mike Evans. Turns his hips, finds the ball on the sideline, nearly palms it with one hand. Come on, come on. Give him give him something, Rob, before you go to the next drive. We only got an hour long show. Okay, uh, fine, fine. Thanks for doing your job, Demo. Niners get the ball first and 10 at the 20-yard line. And their offense had been rolling so much that we hadn't seen a lot of this, Bish. But they go on a 12-play, 80-yard drive that takes up more than seven minutes. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I believe they only had one third down on the drive. But it was just so methodical. And it was fantastic to see. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. By the way, the first down, first play, they run a nice little rounded in to Debo, a little drift. Look like classic Debo there, but again, 
I, I that was one I felt like when he broke those two tackles, old Debo gets 20, 30 yards on that play, and he got 15, <laughs> which, yeah. No good. Let, let's continue. Yeah, uh, Hind says, check the latest QB school episode, Debo slacking again. Dude, mm. I'm so far behind on QB school episodes. I used to be able to watch them. Like during the day, like, shoot, I have a 15 minute like break here. Let me just turn on QB school and watch it. Let me watch it while I'm working. It's a lot harder to do that when there's people around you in the <laughs> office, man. I'll tell you that. Yeah, let me tell you. I got to uh, when you work from home, I could I put it up on the big screen. I take my time, but <laughs> I just I love the drive. I loved that in the whole game. Only one player other than Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, or CMC had a target. And that was Jawan Jennings. He was targeted one time. It was yep. an pass. That's how it should be every week for the 49ers. I just lean into and on your stars. They did it in this game. They did it. I mean, everybody touched the ball, basically, it felt like, on this drive, whether it was McCaffrey running, whether it was McCaffrey receiving. They got some penalties on the drive. And then when they get to, like, anywhere close to the red zone, it was like they were determined to start the Christian McCaffrey touchdown streak. Oh, again. yeah. He was just oh, yeah. 23, 23, 23. Oh, yeah. And I, I'll say two things. One, the throw on the defensive holding outside the go ball to Brandon Ayu. Great throw. Maybe the best throw he made of the game, and it was incomplete. Great throw. Um, second, what was key to me in this drive, and I'm glad you're highlighting it as like, this is how 49ers football should look. The key to the 49ers in any drive is limiting negative plays. Really, anytime they hit a holding penalty, a false start, a sack, something like that, that's really what causes them to go astray. When Shanahan's in that zone where down and distance is constantly changing and he's just going play call after play call after play call, this is how the offense looks. And this was one of those perfect 49ers drives, right, with no negative plays, getting the right people the ball, and then capped off by their superstar scoring again after another four or five red zone touches well the the funny thing was there was a negative play i you got a hold it was first and 10 at the 38 oh right 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 and then it went to first and 14 but it was he the held play i yeah. drew up a holding penalty so it wiped it out so it's basically the niners were able to recover and stay on schedule and that touchdown play to mccaffrey in the red zone that is a deadly play brilliant I, play call right you know jt o'sullivan hates the shuffle motion but it worked perfectly on this play because mccaffrey shuffled twice to his left got the linebacker moving just a little bit to his left and then at the snap of the ball boom mccaffrey is shot out of a cannon just finds the open hole in the line of scrimmage and there's no way for the linebacker to recover because there's all sorts of crossing routes and traffic in the middle of the field and he gets McCaffrey wide open. That's an easy touchdown. That is a Shanahan special right there. Oh, 100%. That was just, that was when cute play calling is so effective and it <laughs> looks good and everybody is happy. Like, that was fantastic. The fact that they anticipated man coverage, they got man coverage, they had everybody come this way. They had Ayuk, as I think Ayuk was also coming across this way across the field, but it was really designed for Christian McCaffrey, the linebacker. He's got no chance. I think it was Devin White on the play. No chance. Yep. What a play design. Beautiful, beautiful play. Niners go up 7 nothing, And I feel like these are the possessions that matter, right? After the Niners score, if they can get you to go three and out or just get you to punt and get the ball back, that gives them an opportunity to get up by multiple scores. And we know that's the best possible game script for this team. But Tampa starts moving the ball down the field. They use Rashad White. He was moving the ball down the field. Nothing like, no plays huge where their Niners were getting gashed, 
but they're moving the ball down the field until first and five at the Niners 33 yard line. Nick Bosa is sacking Baker Mayfield and who comes over like a freaking missile is Fred Warner who punches the ball out and the Niners recover. Right, right. To be fair, it's also Nick Bosa. I think earlier in that exact drive is when Baker gets his infamous block on Bosa. So he is making up for that. But Nick Bosa had an outstanding game. Fred Warner had an outstanding game. Fred Warner, I've criticized a little bit because I did not think he played well during the 49ers losing streak. The last two games, Fred Warner has been pretty special. I believe it was Fred Warner's birthday also. Mm, Happy birthday, Fred. Is always good. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Nick Bosa. The whole defensive line was incredible. They had 38 pressures on Sunday, Vish. 12 from Eric Armstead. Not shocked there. He's he's had a fantastic season, Rob. I I feel like we say it in every show, even though he's not been on the stats. Eric Armstead's playing really well. Eric Armstead's playing really well. Uh, Does 12 pressures count as him getting on the stat sheet? It depends. I know you're not a big pressures guy. I'm pretty sure he had a second and a half too, though, to keep you happy. Yes, I like both. Like pressures without sacks are kind of meaningless. If you get, if you also get sacks, yeah, that's a little different. I mean, what have we seen from this defense? Nine sacks the last two weeks. All of a sudden they look a lot better, don't they? Like, yeah. People like you, Rob, is why Michael Bennett won't go to the Hall of Fame. People like me, I think. Yeah, I would blame Michael Bennett, but that's no, no, you didn't give enough credit to pressures. Although the way the Tampa Bay Bucks dudes are getting in for that one Super Bowl, I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here in 2040 <laughs> and Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, um, and uh, Bennett all get in. So the Niners force the punt; they get the ball back, and this was interesting, Vish, because I don't know if you heard early in the game, Pam Oliver said that Kyle Shanahan said look for some changes that he was going to try and, and keep everybody fresh and refresh right, everything right. because he knew they have the, you know, I call it the Philly sandwich, Seattle, Philly, Seattle, especially right. playing on the short week this week. So who starts at running back on this drive? It's not Christian McCaffrey. It's Elijah Mitchell. And he comes in and he's effective. He's running the ball pretty good. Keeping the Niners on schedule, 13 yards, two yards, six yards. Did that uh, not feel like one for the media? Like the first toss play, they they had the right call into the right defense. He goes untouched for the first eight yards. He runs it. By the way, he looked explosive. Elijah Mitchell looked good yeah. on that run as well. Like no doubt about that. But did that not feel like Shanahan? Like I've, I said it to the media, so now I got to get my guy a run into a good look to make sure he looks good. And boy, he did it for him. Who cares, man? I love that they got McCaffrey out of the game. And then on third and two, they brought McCaffrey back out there, which I liked. And this is a play, and I I wrote about this on our site, goldstandardniners.com, in my grades. Third and two Mm -hmm. at the 44-yard line, and Brock Purdy drops back, takes one quick look, and then takes off and just gets three yards, gets down, doesn't get hit, doesn't force a pass in there somewhere trying to make a play, doesn't hold the ball looking for a bigger play downfield, just knew exactly what they needed, made the play, got down, no heroics, I thought it was a great sign because he made a lot of plays like that during the game. And to me, it was a sign that he's starting to see the bigger picture that he, it's not just about, can you make this read in this situation? Can you make this throw? Can it's, it's about, yes, all of that stuff, which he does, but now also he's starting to pick up the situational aspect, I think a little more. And that is a huge sign to me that he is, is like leveling up to another tier of quarterback play. 
Yeah, it's just the poise, how comfortable he is, how how comfortable he looks while he's playing. But I'm so glad you highlighted this play because I thought it was a really great play by him too. It's a three-yard scramble on third and two, but it just shows how in control of the game and the situation he is. He understood immediately he could get it. He was very decisive about running. One of my biggest gripes with quarterbacks when they scramble or when they don't, they often do this. Should I run? Should I not run? Should I run? Should I not run? And by the time they decide to run, there's no space to run. And if you watch the best scramblers in the NFL, not runners, best scramblers, I I think the best scrambler in the NFL is Mahomes. And if you watch Mahomes, the thing that makes his scrambling most effective, it's not just his unbelievable change of direction, but it's how decisive he is when he wants to go. And it's especially effective late in games because they try to play man coverage against the Chiefs, right? So you can get a double on Kelsey and because those other receivers aren't good. And he says, okay, if you're going to play man coverage, your backs are to me. I'm going to wait for my receivers to get down the field and run. Now, this wasn't first man coverage, but it's a similarly just decisive play. And like you said, it's just him understanding the big picture because it's third and two. Linebackers got depth. I know I can get it. I'm going to go and I'm going to get it and keep the chains moving. It's just such a good, smart play in a game filled with great smart plays by Brock Purdy. It was fantastic. Unfortunately, the drive kind of stalls. I will say third and 15, Brock throws a little quick pass to Debo Samuel. The ball is behind him, and Debo somehow catches the ball behind him and simultaneously jukes a guy. Yeah, jukes Levante David. Like, what? That was a ridiculous play. It only got eight yards, though. Right. Yeah, it's just an absurd, like that's why we, you see it with Debo and you're like, this is what you're capable of. You just want to see that more consistently. But Niners drive stalls. They get the field goal. Oh, by the way, Jake Moody continues to be solid. I think he's hit six straight field goals now since the miss in Minnesota. He's 14. Or, no, he's only missed one kick, I think, since that end of the Browns game. Do you know why he always looks so upset, though? Like, Jake, he just kicked it through the uprights. Yeah, maybe he's he needs, he needs something. Remember when David Akers used to do like this, like every time <laughs> he needs something like that. Well, but yeah, I agree for all the criticism he's gotten. And he's gotten a fair bit on this show too, on all kicks that he's almost missed and made. We've talked about those and stuff like that. When you, when you look at the stats and it comes down to it, besides the one kick against the Browns, which is still the question about him. Can he make a kick mm-hmm. in that situation? He's been money moody. He really has. And, you know, like I'm fine if you want to bang on a guy when they miss. Okay. But you should also do the opposite. I think we got to do both here and that's fine. We're fully capable of it. So the Niners go up. You're ten- nothing if not fair. That's right. And well-mannered <laughs> and handsome and smart. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so the Niners are up 10, nothing. You're like, okay, this is exactly what we want. And then Tampa Bay embarks on a nice 10 play 75 yard drive. And they're going down the field and not having to face too many third downs and they get a touchdown to Mike Evans. And you're like, wait a minute, maybe we got a game here. Well, and it it was kind of the theme of this game. Tampa Bay moved the ball. And this is where I, I thought that this look, Rob, the way I thought the Niners executed down the stretch of this game, some of the plays they in each one of these drives, and we're going to go through it. The Niners make plays on offense and defense. But on defense especially, they also give up plays, right? They'll get them to third and 10 after two really good downs on first and second down, and then they'll blitz and Baker will stand in there real tough and make a throw to Evans or to Godwin or to to Tompkins or to number 10. I'm blanking on his name right now. So he would make a throw to one of these guys, right? And um, I think this is where I really credit Brock Purdy for the game. He was so flawless in this game, Rob. 
that for all these execution errors, the fact that Tampa Bay, you know, was moving the ball the entire game, the fact that Tampa Bay was in it, Brock just didn't give him a chance, really, because every time the Niners offense would get the ball, it'd be like, oh, 50-yard gain to Brandon Ayuk, Brock to Brandon Ayuk, Brock to Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> like, that's really what it was. And I was thinking about it because I've seen Niners games like this before with the other quarterback where the team is kind of better than the team that they're playing. We can see they're clearly better, but they're also not executing enough to put the game away. And usually the other quarterback makes a couple of mistakes to make the game a lot uglier and a lot more difficult than it needs to be. And this game was probably a little bit more difficult than it needed to be, although the points it was close, the Niners were up by two possessions. Mm -hmm. The reason they were up by two possessions at the point it was close because the quarterback didn't do what the other quarterback tended to do in games like this, which is make mistakes. And that's where I really highlight Brock Purdy because to me, they win this game by two scores because he was flawless in this game, not because they were great on defense and they dominated every asset like they did in the or every um, uh, part of the game like the Dallas game. Levin Black. He's right. Yeah. He, he typical said. great take from Levin. You know, the guy is just brimming with excellent takes. <laughs> Levin says Vish is right. Stats is wrong. That is all. Um, I will say this. Baker Mayfield played really well in this game. He made some throws. Like, we're talking perfect throws where mm-hmm. Mooney Ward is there in coverage or Warner or Greenlaw. And these are perfect freaking throws to help get, get them down the field. Like sometimes I think we look at like every completion as like a something wrong that the 49ers. Yeah, 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 yeah. hundred percent. No, and he, he was tough as hell too. Oh my goodness. Yes. He absolutely he was. Green law over. <laughs> I like, I like the fact that he celebrated the block on Bosa. Like he, he just looks like he has fun out there, but anyway, bucks get the touchdown. It's 10, seven. And you're like, all right, so we're not going to run away with this right now. But then what happens? Are we? Niners get the ball back. A minute and 43 seconds left in the half. First play of the drive. Right out of the gate. Who does Brock look for? Brandon Ayuk. Boom. He gets a nice catch and run for a beautiful 37-yard gain. And after one play, the 49ers are in Tampa territory, in field goal range. And now it's just about controlling the clock and, and bleeding it out so that you get the last real possession of the first half. Okay, yes, I agree, but I also have a theory on what happens in this drive. So the big 37-yard catch and run, Brandon Ayuk goes out of bounds. He could have maybe gotten a couple more yards. He could have maybe stayed in bounds, lowered his shoulder, but he goes out of bounds, okay? And then they throw it back to him later in the drive, and he makes – it doesn't turn out to be a real critical error, but he makes the error of staying in bounds and lowering his shoulder um, on the third and three. And my – Right. It was a weird thing. But my theory just on this drive, I again, it didn't really affect because I think it was a field goal drive, regardless of whether he goes out of bounds there or doesn't go out of bounds there. But my theory is that somebody said something to him when he went out of bounds on the 37 yard gain, like, yo, why didn't you finish that play or whatever? So then on the third and three, when he just needs to walk out of bounds and save some clock. He lowers his shoulder and hits the guy. So I thought I, I, I thought that in, in, in the drive that there might have been something said to him to make him change that mindset. Because it was a really weird thing to me. Yes. From when he goes out of bounds at 147, but then at third and three with 50-odd seconds left in the game, all of a sudden he's lowering his shoulder and staying inbounds. And I don't necessarily blame him. To me, that's a coaching point. And it should be told to him. Daryl Johnson pointed it out too. He's like, he looked like he was deliberately trying to stay in bounds there because he's on the sideline and there's two guys in front of him. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're not, you're not getting past them. Mm-hmm. And he 
deliberately turned. And I think it did help with the field goal drive because they had to call their second timeout after that play. So then they only had one timeout left. And you generally like to save one for a field goal potentially. But in any event, ultimately the drive stalled out. Juwan Jennings got his only target of the game on third down, which that was a weird play. Like Purdy just, was he throwing it away? Because he airmailed it if he wasn't. Yeah, I thought he threw that one away. Okay. So Niners get the field goal. Jake Moody, Mr. Reliable again, 28 yards. Boom. And you end the half 13 to seven. I was actually hoping Kyle would have gone for it on fourth and three. Of course you were. But God forbid Kyle Shanahan gets aggressive. So boom, there you go. Field goal. God forbid in a one possession game, when they get the ball coming out of half, you take the points. God forbid. Exactly. Way to make a one score game, a one score game, Kyle. Congratulations. (laughs) Plan is to stop the bucks anyway on that opening possession. What are you worried about? But anyway. Wow. So I, I didn't know that Rob Guerrero was just the uh, biggest um, Chase McLaughlin fan here. Because he's just so confident McLaughlin's going to make that extra point if uh, the, the Buccaneers scored a touchdown and made it 13-12 or 13-13. He's so confident that uh, McLaughlin would make that kick, huh? Yeah, I am. Call me crazy. I also yeah. think the touchdowns are better than field goals, but what do I know? I'm trolling you. I'm trolling you. Bucks come Let's out. Let's go to the second half. After halftime, by the way, Brock Purdy, second most passing yards at halftime he's ever had. The only game where he had more passing yards at halftime was his first game against Tampa Bay last year in his really? first start. Yeah. So he likes the Todd Bowles defense. Bucks come out in the first half. And like you said, Vish, they start moving the ball a little bit. Seven-yard run on first down. Five-yard run on second down. Second and 10, they complete a pass to Godwin, which I think was his first catch of the game, which is yeah. pretty impressive by the Niners. On third and three, they pass, which this was a big This is a great play. Yes, and it's a key part of the game, too. Because it's a deep pass to Trey Palmer, which he catches. But Mooney Ward makes a play on the ball and knocks it away before he can complete the process of the catch. That ends the drive. And it was huge because of what happened a few plays later. Yeah. And it's huge also because they set that play up. Earlier in the game, they kept going into that trips look and throwing a screen to Rashad White out of that bunch. And this time they faked the screen and tried to give them the okadoke and throw throw the little slot rail route up the sideline, the slot fade. And Mooney Ward doesn't bite on it, and then he follows the route, and then it was an unbelievable play on with the ball in the air. One, not interfering because everything is interference when two guys are competing for the ball in the air, but then two, also making a play on the ball. It was one of the most underrated plays, I, I think, in, in the entire game, and I'm glad you highlighted it. And by the way, I, I, I now understand why Dave Canellas is getting the uh, head coach hype. Once they showed him on the sideline, I get it now. I got it, guys. I got it. <laughs> um, the head coach hype, Cliff Kingsbury, I've seen this movie before. Oh, boy. Um, so Mooney Ward breaks up the play, and the Niners get the ball back. And at the punt is a beautiful punt that goes down to the two-yard line. And you're like, oh, man. You know, you really thought maybe the Niners could pull away, but you're backed up at the two-yard line. And they did the thing. They gave it to Christian McCaffrey. It didn't work because everybody knew that was coming. And then I love the play that they ran to Kittle on second mm-hmm. down. Just a little leak play, play action, a Jimmy Gimme, as we used to call it back in the day, where Kittle is wide open. I Kittle, they actually targeted him, Bish. Have they? Has Kyle Shanahan heard us complaining? It was beautiful us. to see George. I've been complaining. Have you not been? I've been complaining. I, I've been complaining here and there. I, I, I don't like to put myself in the same complaining department as you. I'm just saying. Well, 
that's a it's a very vip area let me tell yeah, you yeah 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 like me and you, you putting know. us in the same conflating tier is like saying that you know mahomes and cousins are in the same room <laughs> kittle led in targets it was great Eight and catches. he was awesome 89 yards in the day and some of them were down the field but a lot of them were plays like that play where he just gets open in the flat and they let him use his run after catch ability and he's a beautiful safety blanket for brock purdy and it was awesome to see and it really helped the offense because that gave them room for the next play vish which i know you i'm sure you're going to want to talk about of the course. absolute knockout punch the 70 what was it 75 yard bomb to Brandon Ayuk, which at the time was the longest passing touchdown of the season. Until Josh Allen went to Khalil Shakir. Until the Jets jetsed. Right. Right. But yeah, 100%. First, I, I love that you touched on the Kittle stuff because he is truly still awesome. And sometimes I feel like we forget because he has a couple of quiet games in a row. And it, it, he, he does a good job of reminding us how awesome he truly is when he gets his opportunities, which is... He just gets open. He catches just about everything, and he's still terrific after the catch. The first guy never takes him down. The Ayuk play, um, to me, Rob, it, it, it's just, hey, Purdy seeing he has man coverage. They have a slot fade. Jamel Dean's a good corner, by the way. I know he was banged up in this game, but he is a really good corner. Not really. He's a good corner. He's a good corner. He's a good player. Brandon Ayuk just straight up beats him off the line of scrimmage. I love how he runs the route inside enough to give enough space for Purdy to put it on the sideline. And then if you notice at the top of the route, he fully just gets a little, gives gives Jamel Dean a little bit of a tug inside and then fades back outside. Dean falls down. Ayuk catches it in stride and he's gone. It's a beautiful play, beautiful throw, beautiful route from Ayuk, beautiful catch. It's as good as it gets. And Brandon Ayuk looked easy running into the end zone on that. Although I, I do think the safety could have taken a better angle from the post. If, if I'm Jamel Dean, I don't think that I should have given a, a touchdown on that play, but I'm neither Jamel Dean, nor am I the safety. Awesome play for the 49ers. And Rob Guerrero was probably in his living room. Blue moon's flying. He's wearing some blue moon on his shirt. He's celebrating that one. Weren't I you? wasn't in my living room. Cause when they didn't score on the first drive, I got nervous. I came down to the studio and watched the game in the studio. Cause I was like, I see, I, I see you did the old, Hey family can't watch the game with you guys need to go into the hole. Oh, that's right. I'm going into the, into the man cave studio. Cause I needed to switch the vibes right away. I didn't want to be fooling around. And I love that the 49ers seem to take big swings right after halftime. We saw it in week one. The Christian McCaffrey play was the second play after halftime. The George Kittle touchdown last week against Jacksonville was the second play after halftime. And this Kittle play was the third play of the 49ers first drive after halftime. I love that they have that killer instinct. And it's just a mindset thing, right? And it's just a mindset thing with the quarterback, right? Because Brock Purdy isn't the biggest guy, he isn't the strongest guy, but he has two things. He's willing to stand in that pocket and throw the football down the field. He wants to push it down the field, and if he sees it, he's letting it go. And we know those are the two things Shanahan loves about him. And we're seeing what we're seeing, Rob, is that when these five guys all play together, he is playing quarterback within the offense at such a high level. That when Williams used or not used check, sorry about that. You're not in there, used check. For the first time, you're not part of the Niners click, okay? It's Williams, McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. When these five guys play together, the offense is just so effective at creating open guys. And Brock Purdy is just so good at finding the open guy. I mean, he this is like the fifth different game he's had 
where he's been this good. It's just the first time he's had the perfect passer rating. They're pretty much unstoppable to me on offense when those five guys are playing, Shanahan scheming it up, and the quarterback is making decisions like this. It's just he just makes the right decision within the offense on every given play pretty much, and the offense gives him those answers and those right decisions. And that's where when we go back to those previous weeks where he wasn't playing as well, that's why I didn't criticize him as much because I didn't feel like he had the same available answers. They were forcing him to create and do things that I didn't feel was fair a fair expectation of him. When they give him opportunities, when the offense is opening stuff up, he's finding the right play. He's executing it. And that's why the Niners are that much more dangerous with him under center versus anybody else they've had with Shanahan. Andre Garibay is a YouTube channel member. He says Purdy has the balls to make the throws. You're not wrong. Like he does. He has the he has the confidence of a daytime burglar to steal a phrase from my friend Sean Salisbury. <laughs> uh, it's it's great to see. And he stood in there in a lot of muddy pockets on Sunday. And a lot of pressure. They didn't block well in this game. They no. busted protection multiple times in this game. Um, and he it did it affect him? Well, and that to me was another sign that he like he knows where everyone's going to be. So he doesn't need to freak out when there's guys around yep. him. He didn't bail early. He didn't spin out of the pocket. He stayed in there and made the right read and the right throws. I, it was a masterpiece game from Brock Purdy. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because the stats were so good even a year ago. But to me, and this is where we're talking about, this is where it kind of blows my mind. Because these are some of the things I was skeptical of. Not I was skeptical of from the point that I felt like Brock Purdy couldn't improve. But oh my God, this guy's coming off of an injury and all of this. How does he take that next step? And lo and behold, he's putting his foot in my mouth um, <laughs> pretty much because he's he took all of those steps. I, your face makes me think I should have said pause. So I'll say pause. Well, that was just a weird... Why are you well, it makes no sense if I put my foot in my mouth. He's kind of kicking me in the mouth like you idiot over just here. A weird image. Yeah, it is a weird image. But like a year from like a year ago, right? And it's not exactly a year, but they played Tampa Bay in December of right. last year, and they played Tampa Bay in November end of this year. And the guy has become that much better as a quarterback. The two things we talked about is hey, he bails on the pocket and freelances sometimes too early. That's something we talked about at the end of last year. And he doesn't stand in there and step up in the pocket enough to give plays time. He keeps escaping off the backside. Well, the guy is just coming off of a serious injury on his elbow. He came back in record time, and he's improved on both of those things. And by the way, you can see the clear difference from a guy playing in his first year in the offense last year to his second year in the offense yes. this year. It's awesome to see. And I, I think that we became a little jaded to the fact that quarterbacks can't improve after seeing a certain guy regress. <laughs> for the majority of his time here. So it's cool to see that as well. It's just another tip to, tip of my cap to Brock uh, Purdy. Andre also says, insane that at 23 and less than a year of experience, he runs the offense the way a veteran Jimmy never could. 100% agree. By the way, Andre is a YouTube channel member. Shout out to how Andre. Does, how, does, how do you become that? You got to click the little join button on the Gold Standard Network YouTube page. It's less than $3 a month. Thanks for teeing me up. You get custom emojis. You get membership badges. You get priority comment response. Please, please do it. It's a great way to support the channel. And by the way, I didn't mention this earlier. Shame on me. Like and subscribe to Vish Kumaran's YouTube channel as well. Just search Vish Kumaran. It pops right up. It will make you a better, smarter fan. Moving and by on. the way, oh, go ahead. I, I just on Andre's comment because he's talking about him as a 23-year-old. This is where you can you are we not for Brock Purdy, right? Well, what is his ceiling? 
he's only this got this much arm talent. He's only got this much size. He's only gotten this. This is a great example, right? Last year to this year. This is just a, it doesn't matter what I say because now we have evidence of it. This is how a quarterback improves. It's not always, oh, his arm is so strong. So he finally realizes the potential of his arm or he's so fast. Now he finally realizes how to use his athleticism on the football field. The mental reps of playing quarterback, playing against certain defenses, running the same plays, knowing how guys on your team run plays, building chemistry with them, going through all of those reps. There's a clear improvement from year one to year two for Brock Purdy. And I would expect that there will still be an ascension for him going forward, regardless of his ceiling. We're going to see an improvement from the guy year after year because playing and playing will make him play faster and make him play, I, I would say, play quarterback better. This is where I more creative term. This is where I take the biggest L on Purdy because I didn't realize that this much of a jump in that area was possible. Because I do think last year, more so, he was being more elevated by the guys around him as compared to this year. And if you look, the Niners are not like dominating the entire world in yards after catch this year because. Purdy is throwing the ball further down the field and guys are not wide open and running free. He's making throws in tighter windows and guys are catching it and going down right away. Yeah. hundred so percent. I do think that there is more of a kind of a balanced relationship now between Purdy benefiting from the great players around him. And also those players benefiting from Purdy being able to put the ball in some tight spots. I, I So I think it's twofold, right? I think he is benefiting from being in a great system with yes. great players around him, right? Like, that's obvious. But the thing he's doing that his predecessor, the reason I criticized him for not doing, is he's taking advantage of the great players around him in the system. He's not leaving plays on the field. Right. He's doing and taking advantage of all of that. And I, I think the one thing I have to give him, and maybe I haven't given him enough credit over the course of the every week when we do this show, is the Niners' protection genuinely breaks down multiple times in a game. And with Trent Williams being at 80% and when he's not healthy, it's it's really not that good. We've talked about it, right? Four not-so-great offensive linemen in Trent Williams is what the Niners have. And right now, we the offense, regardless of re, – pretty much outside of turnovers, their pass game efficiency is maintained near the top of the league in pretty much every metric all year. And that's because Brock Purdy knows how to get the ball out of his hands. And that's a big deal. Sure. The offense definitely helps him by getting the ball out of his hands, but just in terms of having a quarterback consistently make the right decision, make it quickly and get the ball out of his hands. And from time to time, sometimes he does have games where he's a little more erratic with his accuracy. Yesterday he was about as pinpoint as it gets. And when he's pinpoint with his accuracy, that's where, look, I don't like the Drew Brees comp. I it, I don't like doing comparisons like that, but I, he played like Drew Brees yesterday. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. He kind of did. That's a that's a good point, and I, I really like what you said earlier. When is the last time we saw the clip after the game of, look at this play, look how open right. this receiver is, and the Niners could have had a touchdown here, and I think it's twofold. One, Brock generally doesn't miss that guy, and two, if he does, he'll make up for it later with another great play. So they'll score the touchdown anyway, or they'll score the field goal anyway. I feel like that is something, that's why we were so frustrated with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's because he didn't do that second part of it. Yes, he missed guys, but he never made up for it. And that's why we're all sitting here pulling our hair out because we're all saying what the offense could be. Right, and with Brock, with Jimmy, it was always, well, if we don't need Jimmy to be Mahomes, just be Kirk Cousins. 
just execute everything that's there and we'll be happy with you. Now they find they found a guy that's doing that, and the criticism of him is, hey, he's not Mahomes. And yeah, he's not Mahomes. He's not. But for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl, this is what they needed, in my opinion, to get from Jimmy Garoppolo. They needed this upgrade right here that we're seeing. It's not like we're going to see a massive statistical upgrade, but if you're watching the games, it's just that this guy takes advantage of this offense and these weapons a lot better than that guy did. It's that simple. You're 100% right, Vish. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so the Niners get to play to Brandon Ayuk. Tampa gets the ball back, and they start moving the ball a little. They convert on third and 11. They get a third and 10. Finally, ultimately, Baker throws incomplete deep to Mike Evans. The Bucks have to punt, and the Niners get the ball back. And this is when I thought after this drive that, okay, the game is going to be over. This is great. The Niners are up. They're going to put all the subs in. They'll be able to rest up before the short week on Thanksgiving. I thought it was going to be so good because the Niners go right down the field. Nine plays, 79 yards. It's basically Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, the big chunk play to Debo that we talked about earlier where nice step wide open. Nice step through the pocket, gets out to his right. Another accurate throw. He's wide open. And then Purdy hits George Kittle in the end zone for the touchdown. 27 to 7, 49ers, and all was right with the world. And I threw up a tweet earlier about George Kittle and just how incredible his production has been from a touchdown standpoint with Brock Purdy. Marcus Thompson, the second, had the tweet. George Kittle had 24 touchdowns in 76 games before Brock Purdy. Since Brock Purdy in 16 games with Brock, George has 12 touchdowns half as much as he had in his entire career up to that amazing hey amazing things happen when you throw these guys the ball it was funny because Kittle always used to produce more with Beathard and Mullins than Mm -hmm. he did with the other guy and I we talked about the other guy a little too much in this show but all I'll say is when Devontae Adams doesn't go to the Hall of Fame and you look at that streak (laughs) in his career just know just know what happened just know who he had to play with okay but all all jokes aside um, I, I, I think that the touchdown on this play also is just another fantastic play call from Kyle Shanahan. It's one of, it's a classic Shanahan where he calls something in the past game. He knows they're going to play cover three in that spot. And he calls something in the past game to break their rules. Very similar to when in two, 2019, the second Cardinals game, Rostwelli back of the end zone from Jimmy Garoppolo wide open breaking of Cardinals coverage rules. Similar thing here. George Kittle is wide open by design, uh, not because Tampa Bay busted the coverage. They The play design busted the coverage. It's brilliant from Shanahan. And then, of course, Purdy, Purdy does, didn't miss yesterday. That is the thing that I love so much about Kyle Shanahan is, is because you don't have to sit there and hope that the other team screws up the defense to get a big play. You can sit there and hope the other team plays their defense perfectly and you get a big play. Right, That's the right. difference. Right. I, I mean, dude, he's he's the man. So except on fourth down, according to you. Yeah, well, nobody's perfect, but there's room to go for all <laughs> of us. Uh, so 27-7, the Niners are up and I'm like, OK, here we go. This is great. Let me start to get my postgame thoughts together. You know, Kyle's going to start taking Blue moon number up. four. Right. But unfortunately, the Bucks go right down the field, five plays, 75 yards, and stick it in the end zone. And suddenly all those plans about who were taken out and resting, that's all out the window. Yeah, 
And I think this is where Talanu Funga gets hurt, right? I think on the Rashad White play of this drive, I want to say. Or maybe it might be the previous drive. They throw a swing pass to Rashad White and he gets hurt. I think it was the previous drive. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so they lose Talano Hufunga, brutal injury. Obviously, you feel terrible for Hufunga, one as, you know, just a human being, that he has to go through this injury, too, on en route to him having his contract year next year. I saw somebody else tweeted about that. Yeah. Uh, I I just forgot who, so my bad for not giving credit there. Um, But they brought up the fact that, hey, he's going to have this abbreviated offseason going into his contract year. It's kind of a crappy situation for a dude. Um, you know, who's has an opportunity to change his life with the money that he's going to make. And I hope he still gets it. Um, but then this, it, it bring it segues us perfectly because this was Jair Brown's like, hello, rookie moment um, <laughs> on this drive because they get a big play on him where he's just kind of caught in no man's land. He's, they're playing quarters coverage from what I remember. I, I haven't rewatched that play, but they're playing quarters coverage and he kind of gets his eyes peeking underneath and the guy just runs right by him and then he gets on his horse and he's like, oh, I got to go tackle him. And so he, he does some nicer things later in the game. I think that there were a lot of statements made about Jair Brown after this game that maybe nice. we could talk about because I'm not sure how people are so definitive that he's this, he's instinctive this, he's a playmaker that, he's gutsy this. The guy played 20 snaps cold, and most of the people making those comments watch the game on TV. I, I've never seen a safety, anyone be capable of evaluating a safety who's cut <laughs> off from the screen for half the plays. We do get to see him play, but a lot of people had some strong takes there. Um, I, I I don't necessarily know how it's going to look yet, but missing Hufanga is a big loss. He's a good player. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the big play that Jair Brown gives up, didn't Hufanga give up the exact same play earlier in the game? Did he? I To me, it, look, it looked the same, but I'm extremely untrained when it comes to that. So I was which, actually... Which which play? Because I actually do not remember this. It was a big... I think it was like a 30-yard play to Kate Otten. Um, and it like literally, to me, it looked like the exact same play. Like he was... He got too wide and he was too slow to come back in to cover the seam. And it looked super easy. I think it was like a third and 10. I can't remember when it was, but anyway. Um, you're in, yes, on second and 19. Second and 19. You're right. I remember this now. Armstead sacks him and then he comes back and yes. rips his seam ball. He rips his seam ball. I, I don't remember. Let, let me, let me, I don't remember that. I remember the play. I don't remember Hufanga specifically on that play. So, you might be completely right. I just cannot verify that at this moment. So the Bucks go down the field. They get a beautiful touchdown pass. Or wait a minute. Hold on. I lost my spot. I apologize on that. They did go we're down right the- at. We're right after Jair Brown gives up the big play. Bucks go. I think it was five right. plays, seventy yards. Five plays, seventy-five yards. Don't short them. And wow. they get the pass interference call on Fred Warner. Which, my God, Kate Otten, like. He sold the hell out of that. Warner, I know, right? I know, right? Fred gets an arm on him, but like Kate Otten like got parallel to the ground at one point in the air. But whatever, it worked, and the Bucks get the touchdown, and they score, and it's 27-14. And now they puts pressure on the 49ers because it's like, hey, you got to move the ball. They were into the fourth quarter, but like you can't just sit on this and do nothing. Unfortunately, that's exactly what the 49ers did. They sat on the ball for the most part, and they did nothing. And they've ultimately had to punt after just three plays. They took their foot off the gas, Vish. I hated it. Right. And I think this is where, hey, um, JT O'Sullivan calls him Coach's Buddy, which is one of the funniest things yes, to me. Yes. I've seen those clips. But Coach's Buddy here, 
the false start really affects this drive. It's a, it's a bad, it, it was a bad tone setter for the drive. You start in first, first and 15. And for all the positive things we say about the Niners offense, dude, one negative play for them. You give yes. them one holding, you put them behind the sticks on one false start, all of it. It's, it's kind of doomsday for the offense from there. It's doomsday. It's yeah, it's fold up the tent. This drive is over, except when they got bailed out earlier in the game because the defense got a penalty to play right, right, in the right. first down. Uh, Andre says Huff is always around the ball, but he's not good in coverage. I don't think the safeties are the big issue, though. We all know Ward, Lenore, Thomas, and Oliver have all played well below average. Yeah, I yeah, I I think he's been fine in coverage. I think his open field tackling is probably my biggest gripe. Yeah, with him personally. Um, but I don't know. It's one of those things of, if you rate him as he was a first team, all pro safety last year, he's not that good. He's definitely not one of the two best players at his position. Right. But if you wanted to pick 10 or 11 safeties in the NFL, he's definitely amongst the top 10 safeties in the NFL. Like he's a very good football player and they're going to miss his energy. They'll miss his competitiveness. And the fact that he's always around the ball. Look, I've always been a hater of that when it comes to safeties. Okay. I've always been like, well, some of these picks are lucky, all of that. But when I watch Hufunga and the fact that he's constantly getting himself in positions to be there, there's something that has to be said to be that. And maybe it's my inability to quantify that or put an instinct on it or be able to give that, rate that as a skill that makes me hate it so much. But when it comes to Hufunga, I, I've seen it for the last two years. There is something about it that's a skill. I discredited it. I was wrong. And they're going to miss him. Don't miss his energy, too. He brings a lot of energy to this football team. After a while, you can't just say, well, he's lucky to be in that spot. Like, because mm-hmm. luck doesn't last that long. Some guys have that nose for the football. They just do. It's whether uh, Levin called it anticipation, whatever you want to quantify it as, he had it. And not everybody does, as we've seen. Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart did not have it. They just didn't. They had other good qualities, but that's yeah. not one that they had, which, by the way, right. I saw a lot of people after the game saying Niners should go sign your boy Tart to be a backup. You think there's any chance of that happening? Uh, I mean, I haven't had any conversations there in a very long time, but I, mm-hmm. from the conversations I used to have, I would put that as a one out of 10. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, good to know. All right. So yeah. Bucks get the ball back after forcing the Niners to punt. They're down two scores and they go on. I would say, by the way, I would say one out of 10. I don't think the Niners are interested either. I think yeah. it's a two. I think there's a mutual parting of ways that that's not a possibility um but in regard also i will say this to hufanga the couple things about his game also that they'll miss that we didn't really get to see this year's one he's one of the best timers of the snap when it comes to blitzing i've seen like he does that at an exceptionally high level they just didn't give him that many opportunities to blitz through the first part of this year like they did last year and then second of all when they put him near the line of scrimmage he wreaks havoc because he triggers so quick and he's so instinctual again he hasn't gotten the same opportunities to do that as much this year. And so um, for sure, I feel like the better parts of his game have not been highlighted as much. And so that's where we we haven't seen as many plays as the year before. He actually got a false start for the first time trying to cross the line of scrimmage, uh, which is like I, it's the only time I can ever. Remember. I've ever seen that call, too. Exactly. That's uh-huh. a great pull on your part. I, I, I Yeah, I've he never seen it either. Eyes. Um, but anyway, so then the Bucks go on this march, Vish, 17 plays, 68 yards, and they go all the way down the field, just converting on fourth down, keeping the chains moving until they get to the Niners 12 yard line. 
And then the defense decides, okay, there's no more room to bend. We just have to stop them. And how do they do it? With Jair Brown breaking up a play on fourth down. And I complimented Steve Wilkes so much after the game because Mooney Ward goes out. He's a little banged up. They have to bring in Isaiah Oliver. And Steve Wilkes finally figured out how to prevent Isaiah Oliver from giving up a completion in coverage. You send him on a blitz. Yeah, and he did. And it worked. And Jair Brown made the play on Mike Evans. Was, by the way, was this not the most annoying drive to watch in a game that your team is up by two scores? That you converted yes. what, like two different third and tens, one different fourth down. I ne- I don't know that I've ever been that frustrated when I like just like this is just me fan talking in that moment. Yep. Because like it felt like Niners defense. Okay, this is where you're gonna stop. Them. This is where they're gonna put the game away. And like third and ten, Baker will stand in and make this tight throw to Evans or Godwin, and they'll get the first down. And it almost happened now that you go to the fourth and fourth. Look, I don't think Jair Brown made all that great of a play on this. It's a zero blitz, and he's running an out route, which I think took a little too long to develop. It's a pretty terrible throw from Mayfield. Baker kind of he clutched it. He yeah, he clutched it and it pops. It's a pop fly. And that allows Jair Brown to get back into the picture. And he doesn't really find the ball on this play, but what no, he does he is he doesn't interfere Evans. And it just kind of turns out to be a dead play. But again, it's a great confidence builder for him in terms of he stopped Mike Evans on an important fourth down, which is what's important. Mm-hmm. I don't again. I don't think that him coming cold off the bench for twenty snaps is emblematic of what he's going to look like. I think it's going to look very different once they actually prepare him to be the starter. Whether it's this week on a short week against Seattle, or even better when they go to Philadelphia after having ten days to prepare him for that. But it, it's a cool little play from him. But again, as a Jair Brown fan, as a guy that said he was going to start before the season and all of that, because I liked him a lot coming out of college. It wasn't something that I was like, yes, yeah, see, that's my guy right there. He stopped Mike Evans there. It was kind of a, hey, it was a really good zero blitz call. And Baker, like Purdy stands in there and makes that throw. Like Baker was tough all game, but you got to stand in there and make that throw. See, Steve Wilkes, that's when you call a zero blitz. See that? Well done. <laughs> I like the play call there. But I thought it was really cool. Like, you could see the Niners players going over to Jair Brown after that play, like, pumped up for him. Warner, like, grabbed him by the head. Yeah. And clearly, like, pumping him up. I thought that was really, really cool that they all kind of recognized. They know they need him, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay. Niners get the ball back. You're like, all right. That was the last gasp for the Bucks. <laughs> We're going to be good now. No problem. And what do the Niners do? Three plays and out. Because they can't run the ball. There were multiple run plays that were dead on arrival in this game because Vita Vea mm-hmm. just blew everything up in the backfield. McCaffrey mm-hmm. loses a yard. Purdy gets sacked on second and 11. And then they ran a screen on third and 19 from the three that scared the hell out of me because I thought McCaffrey was going to get tackled in the end zone for a safety. and he, But he didn't. He eventually ran and actually picked up uh, 12 yards on the play. And the I, Niners, I don't think they ran a screen there. I thought it was not a screen, a draw, a draw, a draw play. Yeah, draw yeah, play. yeah. Um, and so then they have to punt. And Mitch Wisnowski, God love him, has had a fantastic year. Yeah, that was a first bad punt. But he has a 49-yard line drive punt that the Buccaneers returned for 51 yards, and they're basically at the exact same yard line yeah. they were just at when the yeah. Niners turned them over on downs. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. 100%. It felt like they just went on this 17-play drive, and it felt like such a monumental thing for the Niners to stop them. Yes. Just because it felt like the Bucks were converting, 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 and just sticking around. And this is where I felt like the Niners had some execution flaws in this game, Rob. It, they, they should have put this team away. And the fact that they weren't able to do it behind their run game tells me that there's a little bit of an identity shift for this team. And to me, it's directly correlated with what they have in their offensive line. Unless they give their offensive line certain advantages, whether it's in the pass game or the run game, those guys are just not talented enough to win and win to even help them get a yard, as we saw later in the football game, especially not against a good front like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a good front. Vita Bay is an awesome, awesome player. And so... I think that we might be at a situation where, hey, the Niners are a little better passing team probably right now than they are a running team. I I think that that's clear. Maybe this is something they figure out as Williams gets healthy. They've always been able to run the football going into December and going into the playoffs. This is usually when Shanahan cracks that code. So there's never been a better time for that. But then, too, like this was a great opportunity for their offense. The defense just gets this crucial. It's a turnover, right? A turnover on downs is a turnover. And you kind of just give them the ball back and you kind of set up the same situation, which leads us to two more Jair Brown plays that we need to discuss on the next drive. That's a really good question, though, that you just brought up. Are the Niners still a running team or are they a passing team? I think you're right with the, with the situation on the offensive line, especially with Trent Williams banged up. You might be right. So what I described it when I was talking to the coach in the post game, and let's see how you feel about this. To me, they're not a running football team anymore. They're a team that plays through their running back. So they need to get their running back X amount of touches to me, and that's how they run the football. But when it comes down to it, when you say second and one, can we get a yard, right? We talked about this two straight weeks in the losing streak versus Minnesota versus Cincinnati, second and one, third and one, you get stopped. In this game, you're up two scores at home. At your own 50-yard line, like, you should be able to put that team away. I know they got a good front, but, like, that's one yard. You should look at your offensive line and say, we should be able to get that. We should get that. That's why Christian McCaffrey was so pissed off when they didn't get that because he knows what they should be getting. And right now, from an identity issue, the fact that they're unable to run the ball when they need to run the football, when everybody knows they're going to run the football, that's where I, 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 I look at them as a passing team at the moment. Go back to the NFC Championship game against the Rams. They couldn't convert short yardage. There we go. That's where the game flipped. Not on the tart pick. Second and one, third and one. They could and then fourth not. and two that didn't feel like fourth and one because it was actually two. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair point. So the Bucs get the ball back. They're at the 13-yard line. And they start moving the ball a little bit. They get a four yards on first down, sets up third and six. Baker Mayfield drops back. Oh, actually, you know what? Forgive me. I don't want to short our guy, Jair Brown. I apologize. Second and six, Mayfield tries to throw short over the middle, and Kate Otten kind of doesn't cleanly catch the ball, and Jair Brown comes, hits him, separates him from the football. Like you said, like, is it a perfect play? No, it probably should have been a touchdown, but you know what? It's a touchdown, man. He broke it up. and That's a a drop touchdown by Kate Otten. With all due respect, Jair Brown is late. On the play again, I, I haven't watched the Niners' full defense back, so I don't know what whether he was actually late or he just made an instinctual bang bang play getting back over. But but come on, man, come on, that's a walk-in touchdown. He puts it right on him. It's a good, good route by K. Dot, and he yep. drops it. He flat out drops it. But again, shout out to Jair Brown for not quitting on the play, coming yep. back over and making a play at the end. 
But that's one that's like, dude, come on. I don't you know. know what? I don't know what to take away from it. I don't well, know what to take Here's what away I from take it. away from it. Who cares? It's a confidence boost for Jair Brown, right? He's another good play. Guys are dapping him up after the play. Hey, nice true, job. True, and then true. what happens one play later? True. Baker Mayfield drops back to pass. Chase Trey Young. Greenlaw's helmet with the assist. Um, Chase Young, you know, pressures the hell out of Baker Mayfield on an injured Tristan Wirth. Chase Young, I think, arguably had his best game with the 49ers, too. Small sample, I admit. Right, right. Um, he did. He played really well, though. Really ball, well. The ball goes off Dre Greenlaw's helmet. And what happens? The guy who's filling in for the guy who always has a nose for the football is right there to make a diving interception. And did you notice on the play when the ball's in the air, Ambry Thomas is pointing to. Yeah, Jack yeah. Brown. It was He's pointing cool. at the football. Cool we alerted him. I agree. And then. It was a nice play by Brown. And then, like you mentioned earlier, the way they hyped up, excuse me, the way they hyped him up and all of that was awesome. Again, it was tip ball, kind of bounced to him. I don't know that I could take a lot away from it. And by the way, I, I will also mention something that you and I missed in the last two Bucks drives. The Niners did drop a few game ending picks. Greenlaw Three dropped picks one, dropped. Warner dropped one. So there was also that element of it that maybe the game could have closed a lot more clean. But even without those drop picks, you don't expect the offense to have two, three play, three yard drives back to back when you're trying to close a team out and you're up two scores at home for sure. Um, I, yeah, I thought Warner had a tough draft pick. Greenlaw, Greenlaw did yeah. drop pick, and Gibson would have had the pick, but he collided with Mooney Ward. Right, right, okay, yeah. I, I, I wasn't sure what you were counting as the third one. I would count that one as well. That's fair. And then the Niners go on the drive to get the ball back first and 10 at the 20 yard line. And this is where I felt like Shanahan realized like, we are not going to be able to run this out. Like we can't sit on this. We got to go back to running our offense the way mm -hmm. we did. And as soon as they did, they immediately started moving the ball down the field again. And this drive had another example. I thought Vish of Brock Purdy doing the thing, staying within the game plan. Second and 11, he drops back to pass. It's a bootleg to the left. And instead of trying to force the ball down the field across his body to make a play because there was nobody in front of him, he didn't wait and see if something developed. He took off right away, got down the field, stayed in bounds, didn't get hit, and still got the first down. I thought it was another beautiful sign that Brock Purdy, again, is just seeing the bigger picture. 100% with you. His running is a weapon. Yes. I love it, and I hope he keeps it he keeps it up. Niners go for all the sure. way down the field. They hit Kittle for 12 more yards. McCaffrey breaks off a six-yard run, and here it comes. Third and two, McCaffrey stuffed, gets a yard. Fourth and one, and this is – I actually was kind of hoping that they wouldn't go for it. I understand. Oh, man. Oh man. oh, man. Yes, I know. It's different for me. I totally get why they did, because if they get the first down, the game is over. But I was surprised that they went for it and McCaffrey gets stuffed up the middle. Like, you got to come up with a more creative play than that, Kyle. You don't have the kind of team where you could just hand it off and, and do that against a team with a good front where everybody knows you're running with the, especially with Aaron Banks not in there too. You've got your backup left guard. Like, you got to come up with something else. That ain't it. And the Niners. I, so I, I'll disagree with you wholeheartedly. To me, that was a coach challenging his players. That was a coach questioning the identity of his football team. That's you when you look now? at your offensive line. We're up two scores, midfield, first, fourth, and one. Our best players, Christian McCaffrey, were supposed to be a team that, you know, our identity, when you break us all down, regardless, we run the football, right? That's been the San Francisco 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. Oh, man, Mahomes just threw a pick. God damn. Not anymore, it's not. Like you yeah. said, 
I think that you got to like that's but 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 that's and them not converting it my fault I got a little distracted by the game that's where them not converting it is what you said it's emblematic of that's not who they are right now but I, I like the challenge I like that expectation and to me that's completely a diss on where the 49ers offensive line is right now man it's just not a very good unit and the hope for me is that Trent Williams gets back to 100% and he's able to do it while playing because even at 60%, 70%, 80%, whatever number you want to put on them is that like they 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 need him man. He's so good. <laughs> it's amazing how one guy can seemingly elevate the entire rest of the offensive line, but he does seem to oh, do it. Yeah, yeah. He's just I I feel like Maybe maybe on a week-to-week basis, on a show-to-show basis, we probably, as whatever you want to call us, media, whatever you want to call the coverage of the 49ers, there's probably not enough credit given to how good Trent Williams is. And that's, David, like, disappointing. Yeah. David Sir says, Vish, we're all getting distracted by the game. We're going to wrap this up and let people go yeah, watch man, it. I can't believe he threw a pick in the red zone. That's a shame. Uh, uh, I know a quarterback that doesn't throw picks in the red zone, Holmes. <laughs> The Bucks eventually got the ball back, but there was just over two minutes left. They did get all the way to the San Francisco 48, but the Niners defense actually bowed up, stopped them, turned them over on downs. The game was over. Chase Young had another sack on this drive, by the way. I thought Young... Great, great rush on Tristan Wirfs to close the game. Now, you said Tristan Wirfs did get his ankle best up or something earlier in the game, so maybe yeah. he wasn't 100%, but... Chase Young was shot out of a cannon, hit it with the classic Ohio State double-handed scissor swipe around the edge. Great you play. Didn't, you didn't notice when Tristan Wirfs came out who came in for him as the backup? Oh, I did notice. Justin School. Justin School, baby. Our old friend. who. Is- you know you know what I also noticed, Rob? I noticed that that's two weeks in a row. The football gods of at Fox told me that, Vish, you have to watch this game in dead silence because we're going to give you Kenny Albert and Daryl Johnston. It it was I can't stand Daryl Johnston and I'm thank so you glad. Kenny Albert come on was it Kenny Albert or was it is it usually it, Kenny um, Albert I thought it was somebody Dude, else I don't think it was all Kenny. I'm saying is move us back to the days that we are on Fox's number four crew for a three <laughs> three oh five start give us Schlereth and Dick Stockton Stockton can no. mess up everybody oh, else's name it's okay I will know who they are and oh. I, Schlereth will at least be complimentary of Shanahan for 60 minutes straight, which I'm going to love because I love Shanahan. I cannot stand Dick Stockton. No, I don't want that. I just want good quality announcers. I don't want the ghost of Al Davis, <laughs> or not Al Davis, Al Michaels, excuse me, with no emotion in his voice, That's, no matter yeah, what happens. Luckily, we're not getting that this weekend. No, we're getting Mike freaking Tarico. I would imagine. Is, is it Collinsworth or will it be Dungy? Because if it's Dungy, oh. I'm on mute again, man. Yep, I agree. But regardless, tough. Niners eventually get the win. They've righted the ship, Vish. The Hofunga injury hurts, but they're right where they need to be now going into this sandwich. Seven and three. And I have said, I said in the instant reaction show, if they win on Thursday, you basically can wrap up the NFC West. Agreed. Agreed. But of course, Pete Carroll's already starting his thing, right? Like I was sure like, okay, Gino's not going to play. Pete Carroll's already like, oh, Gino's going to play. Great. Last time he, dude, the last time he did this was when he kept saying Jadavian Clowney was going to play with like eight different injuries on the injury report. (laughs) And then Jadavian Clowney did play and he was the best player on the field in that game. The thing with Seattle, that'll be different than Tampa Bay or any other team that they've played. I don't know that Seattle is like, that much significantly better 
than Tampa Bay. I think they are a better team, but I think Niners are much better than them on paper as well. It's just that Seattle is not going to be scared of the Niners. Tampa Bay, all these other teams, they're a little intimidated by the Niners' talent and how good the Niners are, and they're able to like bully them a little bit. Seattle is going to punch first at the Niners. They're going to be aggressive, ready to play, and I think it's a good test of the Niners' compete level because they haven't had one of those games where a team really competes with them for 60 minutes other than with Cleveland, and that was kind of their worst game of the year, and it had nothing to do with the compete level. It was just they had a little bit of a letdown. I think that this is the first time since Dallas where you're not going to have to question are the Niners really up for this game? Are they going to let their foot off the gas at any point? I think the next three games are playoff Niner games. That's how they're going to look at it. That's how they're going to come out. Uh, I do agree that Seattle's not going to be intimidated. Seattle has really good corners. So that's going to be, you know, you're going to have to lean on Brock, honestly, I feel like. They can never really run the ball for the most part against the Seahawks. It's mm-hmm. very frustrating. And you're going to need Brock to, to make be a lot of play. double bubble chewed on the sideline too. Juicy oh. fruit. Got to see Pete Carroll's stupid face every time. Yeah, I know, I know. The I, I, the other, the other part of it, um, for me, is that I, I've had, I, I, from what I remember, at least in my lifetime, I've had to endure two bad Thanksgiving losses: the Harbaugh in 2011, mm. and then Richard Sherman eating turkey uh, at Levi's has to be like a bottom five moment for me as a Niners fan. Followed up by the tweet, the tweet along with what Richard was Sherman tweet? eating the jed york like oh yeah this yeah, is yeah. not something yeah, that we get from our blah 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 that thing like that was when i knew like oh sh- like sh- this really hit the fan with my uh favorite football team but i would love for a thanksgiving night where you finish with family and you get a nice niners result especially because dude the morning games are so bad this year who wants to see <laughs> dallas no, washington yeah. for the 80th time and then the lions packers might have to be the most depressing version of lions mm-hmm. versus packers since you know before Brett Favre. Thanks for nothing, Bears. Couldn't finish that one off. You oh, jerk. my God, right? But, I mean, I'm used to that. Why? You can never rely on those guys. I never blamed the Seahawks when they ate the meal on the Niners field. The NBC shoved that into them. They like. Oh, I didn't blame them for face. it, but I hated seeing it. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, to me, it, it just it's, felt like such a stuff. Like, even they were kind of like, wait, what are we doing? We're Rob, Rob, eating food? Rob. Yes, but, Rob, think about it from my perspective. Michael Crabtree is my favorite football player of all time, okay? Like, when I was nine years old, like, there's never been a bigger dream for me than the 49ers drafting Michael Crabtree. And it actually happened. He was my favorite football player. I have never – there's only one time in my life I have cried after a 49ers game. And that was when Richard Sherman went to Aaron Andrews and said Michael Crabtree was a sorry receiver. You know why I cried, Rob? Because I wore my Michael Crabtree jersey to school every Monday that entire year. And I knew, I knew that I would not only have to hear about the loss, but I would have to hear about Michael Crabtree being the sorry receiver that he is. And then you compound that to the next year, 2014, where Richard Sherman undesirable number one in my mind is now eating turkey in the middle of the field in the Niners season and era with Harbaugh is just done. There's I I'm never, I need, I need to bounce back, Rob. I need to bounce back. Look, when you wear your Michael Crabtree Jersey every Monday, that's the result you're going to get to quote Richard. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Uh, But hopefully the Niners get the win. We will see. We will be here with you, Levin, and I will be live after the game on the Instant Reaction Show here on the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel, also on our Twitch channel. Shout out to everybody on Twitch. I love you, my loyal Twitch army, uh, all six of you. Um, <laughs> Ooh, six? 
I don't know how many it is. It's not very many, but I appreciate it because you know what? The Twitch people show up every show. I see them in the comments every single time. I, I appreciate too. I know them. That's right. Sign me to Waltony 101, gameplan.exe. Uh, everybody there, thank you. Vish, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. You as well, gonna, Rob. Not going to get to talk to you. I mean, sure, we'll be texting, but you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then we'll have a lot to talk about on Monday because we'll be kind of doing a double whammy, recapping the Thursday game. Um, and of course, then previewing what will arguably be the biggest matchup in the NFC of this season. And the return to the scene of the crime. And we may have, yes, like think about it though. Seattle could lose, right, to San Francisco. Philly also plays Buffalo that Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we could be living in a world where the Niners get to win. On I know. And the Eagles have lost twice. I know, and and that and that game will be have a lot more one seed repercussions than people originally thought when the Niners dropped three in a row. Of course, we could use some help from the great NFC North if if they want the Detroit Lions to just waltz through every game. Then be my guest, NFC North. But Green Bay, like it'd be nice for you to show up on one of these Sundays. Yeah, feel free. Also, thank God for Josh Jobs because he's the only hope I feel like we have of not losing. Best nickname ever. All right, I everybody. Know. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Enjoy the rest of the Monday Night Football game. Vish, thank you. Like and subscribe to both the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel and Vish Kumaran's YouTube channel. And uh, Vish, I will talk to you uh, in a week. See you guys. Thanks again, everybody.